Gunnar Waltmark is head of IT security at Blocket. In this week's episode, he talks about memorable scams, how he prepares Blocket against security breaches, and if his job has made him more suspicious as a person. Hello, Gunnar Waltmark. Welcome to Shipstead Talks. Oh, hello, Hugo. So you're the head of IT security at Blockit. What does that mean? What sort of work do you do? Everything from sort of risk assessments and threat modeling towards the whole like marketplace as, and then down to sort of like nitty gritty debugging sometimes of code that developers write. So it's everything because I'm trying to keep a, a sort of a very holistic approach to the whole security thing of having knowledge about everything we do so I can sort of have that in the back of my head when I'm uh, sort of evaluating things if it's good enough security or not. How many are you in your team? I'm the only guy that is for security but then I work in a team with a bunch of infra people and some developers and I think we're like 10 people in that team but they don't work with me directly always on security, but sometimes. And then we have a team within Chipstat, which I have uh, three uh, dedicated security guys that I work quite closely with. And then we have some other people in Chipstat with like uh, with Asiso and stuff that I also work somewhat closely with from time and again. So in general then, Blockit is a big, big uh, site. How well prepared are you against security breaches? You can never really be completely against the breach sort of our my sort of view on the thing is try to avoid being breached but we have some things in place that are a bit different i guess from normal perhaps setups is that we have and now we get might get somewhat technical but anything that receives traffic from the internet any system that receives traffic from the internet is not allowed then to access the internet by itself. It has to go through a proxy. And in that proxy, there are rules on what is allowed to be accessed. And actually, every system is set up in, in that type of way. I come from a background of penetration testing. Uh, and in my mind, it's like a lot of thing, things have been built in a way to make things difficult for me if I were the adversary. So I know that if that was a thing, I would find that annoying and it's like maybe i will choose a different target if i know that all this going to be all these complicated ways of getting things out once if i get in for example the most common things that are once if there are some sort of unknown vulnerability and there is a code execution possibility most of the time these days i think they sort of like they get their thing and then they try to download a crypto miner back in the day it was they download an irc chat bot to be part of like botnet or something these days is mostly crypto mining but that would be very difficult to do in our setup because then they would they they not only have to compromise the system they also have to compromise the system that monitors and blocks the outgoing traffic so they can download stuff in a perfect world no one would be able to use anything and 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 things would be really secure but then no one would be able to use anything so there has to be sort of like there will be openings. I know wait, you, can, you can't make perfect security. You don't want to share the opening with me, I guess. Uh, well, yeah, but I mean, humans are always the opening. This is not secret for anyone who's actively working with this, is that humans are the weak points always. Uh, you can build tremendous technology, do all sorts of things and make things difficult. But at the end of the day, humans will always be the, the weak point. 
What do you mean when it comes to IT security? I mean, how can humans be, be the, the problem here? Someone needs to change and update the system, do things with the things, and it's... And then someone forget that and someone something opens up. It's, that's how it works, right? Most of our incidents uh, these days are when we sort of like happens, it's, it's usually ourselves that make a mistake and something goes down and something breaks. Uh, it's not very rarely it's someone from the outside that breaks something for us. It's ourself just makes a silly mistake. Oh, okay. And I think that's pretty common uh, in, in a lot of places. What happened when Blockit got hacked in 2005? Can you tell me about that? Well, that was the whole starting point when Blockit started realizing security was important. This is slightly before my time, just I think a bit of a year before I actually started working actively with Blockit. But I've been told a lot of stories. And it was one of these days they suddenly started realizing they were getting alarms for something. And they were like, going to check out what's going on. And they realized that suddenly they were defaced, that the starting page of Blockit was gone. And it was like putting, pointing to, to a competitor's website that's no longer around. Basically, they got really scared then because it was like, wait, we can't, we're sort of completely, we have nothing to fall back upon. If our internet presence is gone, we, we're not making any money, we're not, there's nothing. It's sort of what that led to was that it was a lot of things. First things, they, they left the building and they moved temporarily the CEO's house and sat there and tried to think, fix things. And the CEO uh, was neighbor with uh, a person who worked at SunGuard. And SunGuard had a Dodge company called IX Security uh, that dealt with sort of security issues. So that's how... A security firm got involved and then, of course, they moved out of the CEO's house and moved to the bunker that uh, Sun God has. Uh, and uh, it was a big thing. A lot of things were rewritten from scratch. It was a huge project. And at that point, a bunch of sort of a completely different mindset was brought into Blockit about how to deal with security and how to not think of itself as just a normal website and more of like more in, in the of how banks and financial things think about things and deal do with things. I'm always very curious about scams when it comes to marketplaces, people fooling other people. What sort of scams are the most common one in, in, in Blockit? We have whole teams that are working on just sort of the normal day-to-day -day things with interaction with the police and so. Uh, that's very rarely I get involved, but it, it sometimes happens. Uh, but the most of the things that I see is when we have these external threat actors that are trying to sort of some sort of elaborate phishing scams is the most common. How does that work then? It used to be that they sent out an email that looked like it came from Blockit. And then we made that very difficult to happen. So then they moved to sending out SMS. That has stopped now. So And sadly, they've become a lot better just recently. They've started realizing, and I think that's the most common, at least from my perspective, is where they're using like WhatsApp and uh, Signal, all these sort of modern chat apps. And they contact people directly there and wanting to discuss. And what do they say there? What, what, I mean, how do they trick me into coming? Well, I think that the things now, they're sort of like actually connecting it to, and if you have an add-on blocket, and they're trying to like ask something about your thing there and trying to strike up a conversation about the thing you're selling, but they're doing it outside of our channels. So we have no idea that this is going on. And then they sort of start leading people down this like, oh, and they start negotiating prices. Maybe back and forth, and it's like, hey, I, I've paid you now, or you can 
go to this thing to get your money or if there's sometimes they're trying to sell them on some sort of delivery service but so so as a customer what should i be aware of well it it's especially that when someone contacts you about your ad on on some sort of other channel than block it then you should be uh, i mean again we have to remember that a lot of deals are done on on block it and most are perfectly fine but sometimes these you know have sort of especially in the in the last actually only a few months that they have sort of getting really good at using these tools for sort of like probably i suspect that they these are somewhat automated chatbots that they are using to to help along with it because otherwise it would be very difficult for if the if there have to be one person keeping writing all this stuff so they are probably using some sort of chatbot how do you work to prevent scams to make it safer we have teams that are working constantly on on new products like shipping and sort of different payment solutions and we have the teams that are working with the police too but that's sort of afterwards the thing that we're working with prevent is more is on the product side of developing better things there and we have i mean for example we have the you can get an anonymous phone number but also we we do what what i do then is of course also sort of try and, and monitor what new domains are registered and what new websites pops up. You know, back in the day when there were a limited amount of uh, top-level domains, we could actually register everything that sort of looked like Blockit or misspelling of Blockit. It was a lot of domains, but it wasn't impossible. These days when there are sort of like anyone can create a new top-level domain, yeah, it costs money, but it's still, it becomes sort of a, a almost, yeah, well, it becomes sort of an impossible thing to do so it's more about monitoring things finding these things as quickly as possible and then contacting hosting providers and getting things shut down quickly the work that you do is all about you know detecting bad guys trying trying to to hurt the company has this made you suspicious as a person not really. I already was very suspicious way <laughs> way before this. Um, well, the type of threats dealing with now. I mean, basically, it's most of it is about getting like credit card numbers and getting a, a little bit of money and stuff. I mean, there are a lot more dangerous things out there that that we're not the target of. I guess you create scenarios. What can happen here? Do you like have operations when when someone you ask someone to try to make a breach and and then you defend yourself? How do you train, so to speak? We have multiple different things for that. Yeah, you pay people to try to take over block it. <laughs> we do like a lot, a lot of automated things to assess certain things, but we also sometimes. Uh, get uh, external help to look over things. Yeah, these really, really tech-savvy people from the university that you hire to do this. Who are these? Lisbeth Salander types. That, that's how I started, basically, was uh, when I started working with Block in 2006. That was my job to try and break in and try and figure out ways of how to abuse the whole the system how how things how people can what thing and then to it's like to to sort of then sort of be able to build uh, protections against that it's not really from university it's like i'm a bit of an old guy and uh, so when we do sometimes we get other old guys who uh, a lot of times have a history of working with a bit a different security level just like 
They have military backgrounds, perhaps. Sort of Lisbeth Salander types. Yeah, the Lisbeth Salander type, but, but in the suit and not in the hacker, no more hacker outfit. Ah, okay, they're, they're more, more suits than hackers then. But it's this like next level of, of when you can get these really clever people, but they also can dress in a suit and look nice. Then that's... Oh, okay, 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 okay. That sounds pretty, pretty awesome. But would you say that Blockit today is, is pretty well protected or as good as it can be against the security breach? It can always get better. We're working, currently we're moving from having sort of all the infra ourselves into moving into outsourcing it to the cloud. Sort of like we're in between things right now. So there is a lot of work that, I mean, that can be done to make, always make things better. But it's again, it's like, for me, it's like, how far can I push push it before it becomes unusable or too difficult for the people to use. And then we're talking about like developers. So that's always a, like a balancing act. So if you are on one side, then who is on the other side? Like the salespeople of Blockit? Not salespeople, I guess. That They are kind of, they stay out of these things, but sometimes it might be... In a board meeting, who, who are on the other side? <laughs> who works against you? Who wants to open everything up? Most of the times it's not really they want to open things up. It's sometimes that they're unaware of... Uh, that certain things so like get mean, implicitly means that you open things up. But you worked for Shipstead then for at least more than 10 years. What's it like working for a company like Shipstead? What the upside and downside? Upside is that very few people know what Shipstead is and that Blockit is a Shipstead company. What, why is that a good thing? It brings about a level of anonymity. I mean, maybe it's something I personally li- like, that thing that it's, <laughs> it's like, oh, it's not completely out there. Of course, it's a downside sometimes as well that where you have to sort of like have to explain these things uh, sometimes where you might have like salespeople hounding me and it's like getting, trying to get in touch with me wanting to sell me something. I was like, oh, we, we already have that. Uh, and it's like, oh, yeah, we have a proof ships that, that they are the ones that are responsible for those contracts. Uh, both good and bad things. Uh, but I think the, the, the sort of the thing that I like the best is this is own complicated way where we can work together over company lines. And do you do that? Which companies do you work with then? A lot of the different brands. I, I'm now, now I'm sort of like get, getting into this territory. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say everything here, but but uh, if someone from a d- different brand happens, you know, comes and want to talk to me about something that they're doing security-wise, I'm sort of like always happy to. Because I, I like to learn more about different things and how different solutions are and how different comp- companies set stuff up. But do you meet, I mean, the, the IT security people from Finn and Blockit and Aftonbladet and VG, you know each other? Or? Yeah, we do try and collaborate a lot on a lot of things because they're, everyone doing it themselves becomes too difficult. Gunnar, thank you so much for coming to Shipstead Talks. Yeah, thank you. This podcast was brought to you by Shipstead Employee Branding Team. My name is Hugo Rienberg and producer was Jens Back. Back.